Welcome to Accelerating Your Dental Practice, a podcast with free expert advice to accelerate your practice's efficiency, growth, and profit. Here's your hosts, dental management consultants and friends, Malika and Michelle. Welcome to another episode of Accelerate Your Dental Practice. I'm Michelle, and I'm here with my co-host, Malika. And we have a wonderful episode coming up today regarding practice evaluations and how they can help you accelerate your practice, whether you're looking to sell or not. We have a great guest that we're going to introduce you to in a minute. But first, I'd like to welcome those that are first-time listeners to our podcast. We're happy to have you here. And now I'm going to have Malika take the reins and introduce our guest. Thank you, Michelle. I'm excited. Now, without further ado, I would like to introduce to you our guest, Dr. Tony Stefanu. I feel like you've need a, no real introduction. Honestly, it's been an honor that I've been spent some great time with learning from him. And we're going to dive in and allow you to introduce yourself a bit, and then we'll get into the fun stuff. Well, thanks, Malika and Michelle for having me here. So I am Tony Stepanu. I am a, a dentist who is, uh, while still licensed on the business side of the industry now, graduated in 87 from Tufts University School of Dental Medicine in Boston and was in private practice for 20 years. Actually had an interesting practice um, with a chiropractor, kind of a wellness center. And that was a lot of fun and really loved practicing, but uh, kind of fell into uh, getting into product development and a bunch of other things in the industry. And so in 2006, made the transition full-time into the business side. And uh, I have a couple of companies that are kind of related to one another that are, are focused on business, everything from mergers and acquisitions uh, to business development and things like that, pra- practice transition. So the company is called Connected Dents. Uh, it has, uh, again, several divisions to it, one of which is the Dental Sales Academy, where we work with uh, dental companies like manufacturers, you know, those people that come into your, the dealers and the manufacturers that come into your office and say, buy my product. And what we do with that is we help companies kind of understand how to relate better to dentists, understand how they can sell to dentists, um, understanding the dentist's mindset and what they're looking for when they buy things. And that's been actually a lot of fun. We've been doing that for a long time. And then on the actual connected dent side of what we call business deals and transactions, I'm also a certified business intermediary or a CDI, and we have now for the past 10 years or so been doing uh, deals in the industry. So again, two manufacturers, maybe an implant company that wants to acquire another implant company. We do those sorts of deals, kind of put the companies together and negotiate the deal, whether we represent the buyer or the seller. But a, a very large focus of our time is on the practice side as we know today, uh, dental practices are, uh, there's a transition going on where there are many more options for dentists uh, now in practice in terms of what their exit strategy would be or you know how to get to the next level with your practice. Like when I came out of dental school in the late 80s, everybody in my dental school class was pretty much going into private practice to have one practice and one practice only. And then you know, when we were 60, 70 years old, we would sell to another dentist. And it was about, you know, let's wait until we slow down and then we'll figure out who to sell to. Things are a little different now. There are many more options. There's a lot more planning involved in terms of building your business. There's a lot of things that goes goes into that. And I think 
Uh, one of the things that we spend a lot of time on right now is, is uh, the actual appraisals. We developed an appraisal program called the OPA, which uh, is basically something that, again, dentists kind of discovered. We, we put this together over the last 10 years or so. You know, our, our focus really is to help dentists better understand where they, where, they, where they stand in their practice. So this appraisal is something that uh, we have done now for many years, and we have done almost now 1,500 of those across the country in the last five years or so. So um, that's been a lot of fun. And that's, uh, that's what we do on a daily basis, pretty much. Thank you, Tony. That was great. And I think we should now dive into the, the topic of the day, the practice evaluations. I know that, as you said, in the, you know, in, in the past, you know, probably 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was more like, okay, we're going to evaluate our practice right before I sell it, or, or, you know, maybe bring a partner in. And now I know I've learned from taking your course and just, you know, just and um, you know, dealing with clients day in day out, that you know, a lot of dentists are not thinking about doing it as the practice owner, just to see where they stand. And I would love for you to kind of get share why you think that is important for a, like say, a dentist that is practicing for a couple of years or years and still practicing, planning to continue to practice for you know years to come. Why would it be important for them to do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the easiest way to approach it, first of all, just so everybody's listening, I. I probably will interchange the word valuation and appraisal. Technically, it's the same thing. So we're sometimes I'm in one mode or the other. And five minutes later, I might say appraisal versus valuation, but we mean it in the same way. Having said that, there are a lot of reasons, especially now, for people to know where they stand. I have found in the last surveys and conversations we work with dental practice all around the country and all shapes and sizes, there's still most people, it's about 90 something percent of dentists will say to us that they, you know, never had an appraisal done before and they're only going to have one or they only have had one now that they might be thinking about selling. And yeah, sure. If you're thinking about, hey, what are my options to sell? I'm thinking about that in the next year or two or whatever it is. And you're certainly going to need an appraisal just like you would if you were to sell your home. But I think if you, you know, if you really look at it as small business owners, and I know dentists have always heard this, like dentists are bad business people. They don't really think like, you know, business like, yeah, I understand all that. I mean, I came out of school, we had very little business training, and yet we're expected to run these practices sometimes, you know, which are multi-million dollar operations. But if you speak to people outside of dentistry, anybody who's in business, they will tell you that it always is a good idea when you own a business to know where you stand. Because I tell dentists all the time, look, you, you're going to practice 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You're building up your practice. And for most people, sometimes it's their home, but most of the time, their dental practice is their greatest asset. And, you know, again, imagine for a second, if you uh, have a, a stock portfolio, your IRA, you have a retirement account. I mean, are you just going to like let it sit there for 10, 20, 30 years and not look at it? And then all of a sudden, like, I'm going to cash it in and like, oh, I didn't know I had that much in it and get surprised about what it's worth. I mean, we don't do that. So this is an asset. And not only uh, should you periodically know where you stand for a number of reasons, and forget about just the curiosity factor, but it's good business sense to know where you stand, especially if you're working with a consultant, a practice management consultant to help you build your practice. It's one thing to just look at analytics and everything, but that's not the same as actually understanding the value. And looking at the value of your practice when you have it appraised, you're able to, if you do it periodically, you're able to see whether it's going up or down over a few year period. 
we even recommend the large practices to, to actually update it every three months and see, just like you'd see your stocks, it'll be like, oh, I'm down percent or I'm up 2%. That kind of thing actually makes sense too. And so we always say knowing where you stand is important to not only strategize what you have to work on, but also to see whether or not you're you're on in line for your, your vision, your game plan as to you know when might be a good time to look at some sort of a transition, whether that's you actually pre-selling, so to speak, and staying aboard with another dentist or a DSO, or even considering buying another practice yourself. And I think that's something that's always overlooked is that, that it makes sense if you know where you stand with your practice and you understand how much time you have left and what you want to do in the next five, 10 years, it, help, it allows you to make a lot of decisions. And there are other reasons for it too, which if you want, I'm happy to go into, but they, it's certainly not just for those of you that are looking at, oh, I'm going to be settling in the next year or so. There, there are a lot of good reasons to do it beforehand. So I have a question for you, Tony. Like when <laughs> I work with a lot of younger practices, yeah, startups, people that are like, in the hitting the five-year mark. So I know like they're not going to do it in the first year that they open, but when do you typically recommend somebody like that? Like how old should the practice be before they do that? Yeah, no, great question. Again, if you look at if you look at practice curves, look at the the actual curve of a growth of a practice, you know, it's it's kind of like it goes straight up for a while. It's in early to mid the late growth stage and it kind of plateaus a little bit, a little bit of growth still. And then of course towards the end you see a dip and that's when people all of a sudden are like ready to sell, but it's not linear. So, you know, like if you wait that long, losing two or 3% in collections doesn't mean you lose 2% of your value. You lose a lot more than that. It's compounded. So that's one thing. But the answer to your question specifically, certainly not, not necessarily in the first couple of years, but if you're in growth phase and you're 5, 10, 15 years of the practice, and let's just say that you're thinking about bringing now an associate in. This is a really important thing, and most people just don't think about it. They, they're they in like the prime of their dental careers, the practices are growing, and now they're busy, and now they want to bring in an associate. Or, uh, of course, a partner's a no-brainer. I mean, if you're going to bring in a partner, you have to know what you're worth, and you don't know what to ask the partner for the buy-in. But the associate thing is tricky, because there are still a lot of practices where the game plan is, hey, I'm going to bring you know Dr. Tony in as an associate, and we're going to shake hands, we're going to say hey, let's see how this goes. And maybe in five years, you'll buy the practice and uh, kind of almost give them first dibs, so to speak, on the practice, him or her. And then all of a sudden, five years later, you know, you're still in your prime, the practice is still growing. But now maybe that associate, you know, there's a time to talk about maybe the associate buying in, or maybe you are thinking about getting close to retirement. Well, there's a real issue with that because what, the reason that it doesn't work out a lot of times is because the associate now feels like they should get an insider price to buy the practice. Uh, they've helped grow the practice and they're not wrong. They have. But how do you decide on how an associate either takes over, buys in partially or fully if you didn't know what the practice was when the, when the associate walked in the door? Most dentists don't think about this, but if you're going to bring in an associate, you should have an appraisal done like as the associate's entering the practice. So you know where you stand. It's not it's not for bad reasons, it's for good reasons. So that five years from now, three years later, and now it's like, okay, now I have an appraisal done again. This is where we were when you came in. This is where we are now. And now we can talk about what's a fair negotiating place stance for both sides to be able to come up with something that works. 
And I think that that uh, something is overlooked. But the beauty of technology today, of course, with practice management software and all that is that you can still do that. I mean, I have a lot of people that call me now and I even have it where it's kind of legacy stuff. It's like, oh, my son or my daughter just graduated and they're coming into the practice, but I don't want to just give it to them because then the rest of the family is going to be upset with that. Uh, I want to make it fair so that they they actually will buy in over time. But I, I want to have an idea of, you know, what is the practice really worth? And so that's a great thing. And it, and it, and kudos to them for that. But right now, in situ- we can say to someone, oh, well, your associate came in three years ago and now you're having the conversation. Well, we can do an appraisal and backtrack. I mean, we can backtrack with with technology. I mean, we can go in and get a profit loss document for the 12 months preceding the associate coming in and actually then coming up with the fair market value the day they walked in the door and then do one for today and be able to show that to them. Whereas years ago, that was a lot more difficult to do because we didn't have the ability to get the reports the way we can now. But that's something that should be really seriously considered. That's fantastic. I, like, I didn't even think about that. I, and I know a lot of doctors don't do that. Yeah, well, they don't. They time. don't. But, the, you know, it's it's you know, now you're in a situation where, you know, everybody always used to complain that the associate thing like never really worked out is, yeah, it was a handshake deal. But really what the breakdown is, how do you come up with the right price? Sure. And I think that's really something that, you know, again, we should we should be addressing more and more, especially today uh, where practices actually have different values different, you know, fair market value, depending on who the potential buyer may be. Like a practice is worth maybe X amount if it's going to be sold to an associate inside or a dentist on the outside. And it's worth a certain amount if the fair market value is actually a little different if it's a larger practice and the idea might be, hey, we might want to affiliate with a DSO. So it's different now. It's not the same value. And that's important as well. Because I don't think a lot of dentists even recognize that that's the case sometimes. There could be a significant financial difference in the value of selling to one type of buyer versus the other. And that's entirely up to you as to which direction you want to go in. But you have those options. And and again, the fair market value, if you're having an appraisal done, we almost do it where the, we, we generally doing it with two, we're doing two appraisals or we're giving a range. And that is based on who the buyer might be. In some cases, it, you know, it's only like we get hired because, well, we already know the buyer. It's going to be Dr. So-and-so who's my associate, or yeah, we know we we just we're not gonna we're not gonna work with a DSO. So we're gonna sell to another dentist and we'll try, we're gonna need to find who that dentist is. But that that changes the way the appraisal is done because the appraisals are done on the concept of cash flow and the cash flow is different depending on the type type of buyer that's going to kind of come in and take it on. So I think, and when I say buyer, I mean, buyer, partner, whatever you want to call it, affiliate, because again, there's also different semantics in in the definitions of who buyers might be. But I think that's an important thing too. It's not like, and the other thing is a young dentist or even dentist in a prime, interestingly enough, will say things like, well, I kind of know what my practice is worth. And this is a real problem in the industry because for many, as a matter of fact, decades, it used to be there was really no rhyme or reason to it. It was just a you slap a number on a practice depending on the collections, and that's what your practice is worth. It wasn't really based on cash flow. wasn't based on anything grounded in financial, you know, reasoning. And that's a real problem because we get a lot of that. Then this will be like, well, I've got five years or ten years left, and you know, my practice is doing a million dollars, so it's worth you know seven hundred fifty thousand because. 
That's what someone told me, 75% of collections. And they could be off by so much. I mean, they could be, I mean, it could be in either direction, but a case like that, there's a very good chance the practice is worth a lot more than that. And they don't know that because the market today is is very different. Yeah, and I think, I think it's interesting because you brought that up because I learned something from you and just, you know, talking to people that have been doing this is that in the sense of, you know, evaluating their practices is that you can have a private buyer, uh, you know, evaluation versus a DSO, right? Um, which it, it was different, different for me. I didn't even know there's such a thing, which I think I had like a client asked me about it last week saying, well, I didn't understand there had to be two numbers. And I said that, that it is a thing now because I think it depends, as you said, the cash flow and all that, who's coming in to buy it and what that, depending, I'm sure, on the DSO or the company that's looking at the practice, what does numbers entail? Yeah. And, you know, for, for the purpose of, of this podcast, I think it to keep it really simple, uh, I do understand why there would be confusion about that, but let's keep it really, really simple here. I mean, if you look at it, right, a practice has this amount of collections and this amount of what you would call profit. Uh, and that profit is current, which is, you know, you as the owner doctor, that's what it is now for you currently. If it was a DSO or an outside dentist, so let's say you have two types of potential buyers, your appraisal is going to be different because the what you're doing is coming up with an, not, a, not, not the current profit, an adjusted cash flow, an adjusted profit, which is going to be based on if a buyer A, a dentist from the outside comes in, or buyer B, a DSO is going to come in and you're going to partner and affiliate with them, they have different expenses. The expenses are different. So the cash flow ends up being different. In a DSO case, the DSO is not usually coming in with another dentist coming in. So now there's two dentists operating. So you have to factor in two compensations. If it's another dentist coming in, to buy, they generally are coming in and maybe you as the selling dentist are going to be staying a while. Well, now you got two, again, you have two dentists, you have to compensate for that. Somebody from the outside is going to get a bank loan probably to finance it. Well, they're going to have a note and that note, that financing note eats up cash flow. There's a lot of things that go on here. So ultimately the DSOs usually have more cash flow if they're going to be affiliating. And that means that your adjusted cash flow number, what we call EBITDA, is going to be generally a little higher. They're also willing to pay a premium, usually, what we call a multiple. The multiple gets put on that EBITDA number. And so the range, generally speaking, a DSO affiliation will generally get you a better financial deal. Now, whether or not you want that type of a deal is up to you. But I, I think dentists have to recognize that it is different. The fair market value practice is different if you have the option of going one way or the other. And so, you know, I think it's a, an important lesson for us to learn now because, I mean, I didn't have those options when I was practicing, really, but it's a good thing for dentistry right now. It's, uh, dentistry is in a place where the, the buyers, the, uh, the sellers are in uh, the driver's seat, and that's a good thing. And, and, and we haven't even touched on this, but as again, as a consultant, if you're working with a practice, you can analyze the practice and you're asked to help them grow. But the reality is, if you have an appraisal done the right way, uh, like in our system, we don't just do that financial analysis. We also do what we call a practice score. And that score allows us, uh, the score is done because it takes into account all the non-financial stuff. Like, you know, what kind of equipment do you have? You know, what's your hygiene department like? What kind of a lease do you have in place? All of those things. And you have a practice score. And that score helps to determine whether or not the practice value on the financial side goes up or down in value. You get rewarded 
for a lot of good things, right? So if, for instance, your valuation comes up as a little lower than you expected, we could look at the appraisal and work with your practice management consultant and that determine, hey, these, this is why we didn't get as high a score. Because, you know, there's a few things here we have to work on, like the hygiene department, or, you know, we don't have a strong lease in place, we don't have good terms, or, or you know, something else that's going on there that are part of the score scoring process that will allow you to focus in the next six to 12 months to get your score up and get your EBITDA up so that your value is consistently growing. Even if collections stayed the same, you could increase your value, which is an interesting thing. A lot of people don't realize that. They think, oh, I have to keep collecting more. Well, it's good to collect more, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you go up or down because you can collect more, your cash flow can go down, or you can collect more and the multiple, the market goes down. And that also then lowers your overall. But if you work on some of these scoring things, even if collections stay the same, your points and your EBITDA could go up. And in that case, in most cases, your value is going to go up. Wow. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important because I, I, I think it's great to do this on a you know regular basis because I, I've noticed that, you know, from dentists that I've talked to or work with that their mindset is that my practice is worth X amount of dollars. And then Absolutely. when they get the evaluation, but they're like, Malika, I think this is wrong. Do you have enough someone else I can get this done with? I'm like, yeah, not going to change. And, you know, we, we see, we see some, I mean, I can, I mean, we don't have time for this, but I can tell you stories where it's there. Some of the things are so far off because they're being done based on old formulations. But the other part of it is interesting because we'll have really good practices that we'll appraise. And even sometimes, and that's why you have to do it because I mean, I've looked at thousands of these things, but I don't really know until I do the workup because you can't figure out really the cash flow until you actually analyze. You can't just do it just by looking at some superficial numbers or even a tax return. You've got to actually get a profit loss document expanded. You have to really break it down and it, what's really interesting is that even in a three-month period, there are times when we'll do evaluation and it'll be lower and we'll just say, look, again, focus on a couple of these things here. Let's get another profit loss document in three months. Let's let's re uh, almost like reanalyze it. And sometimes we'll even see a cash flow difference of like $75,000 or $100,000. $100,000 cash flow difference when you put the multiple on it, if it's a one or $2 million practice, a hundred grand difference in cash flow means a half a million dollars of value. That's that's a $500,000 valuation difference. Wow. So, so even in a matter of three to 12 months, you can work on things and you can get your value, your practice up dramatically. And so even again, uh, a lot of people don't recognize that that's the case, but it, it's, it's all based on the cash flow. And if you work on certain areas, you're you're going to see a, a dramatic difference. Wow. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> I've learned a <laughs> lot of stuff that like, I mean, I knew some of it, but again, I feel like some of the do doctors where I was like, oh yeah, maybe it's this, but a little bit in the dark. This has opened my eyes definitely and how I will approach things with doctors. Yeah. And I think one last thing about it, you know, we mentioned the DSO thing. I, I think a lot of people don't also really, there are, there are 2,200 DSOs in the country right now. Uh, about 23 to 25% of the practices are now affiliated. You don't know that because most of them are not branded. So it's still Dr. Johnson's practice. But the reality is that's where we're at. And it's not going to go away. But there is a lot of good with it. There are, for those larger practices out there, when you get evaluation done, if you are a larger practice, again, you have several options. You could start thinking, hey, 
I'm 5, 10, 15 years away from retiring, but my practice is at peak value right now. And I don't want the headaches of managing and administrating. You might want to look at seeing what your valuation is if you affiliate with a DSO, because you're not just going to get a price for your practice. Most of them are giving you the ability to be able to get, yes, a higher fair market value, what they call an enterprise value. But you're also, in many cases, getting as a piece of that, you're almost reinvesting some of their, their affiliation with you into stock. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, but you're getting rollover equity with some of them where in three to five years, that can that part of it will increase sometimes two, three, five, seven times. And so your end up your value, your practice ends up in some cases doubling what it would be if it was just an outright, let's say, sale at some point to another dentist. So for some people, the DSO route is a really a smart route to go. It may not, again, be for everybody, but because they have to understand what it all means. But, you know, I think when it comes to valuation and stuff, they, we're seeing situations now where practices are doing a couple of million. They they end up with, with deals, uh, you know, short and long term, where they're almost getting paid a second time down the road for the practice. And they're sticking around and still practicing for three, five, 10 years and affiliating with the DSO and going through their financial cycles. Again, there are a lot of options out there. So it's always a good understanding of where do I stand now? What does it mean? What can I do to increase my value? What do I work on? Or maybe you look at the number and you say, oh, okay, well, maybe I should think about talking to somebody about this. And I think that's really what we've been seeing more and more of. And you don't know that until you go and actually see where you stand. And that is getting that appraisal done. And I feel like for like for me, it's like, some it's almost like going to the doctor for you know your annual checkup and you know you did blood work and he's almost like you don't want the blood work because you don't <laughs> want to know the news you know but I, at the same time I feel like it's important to know and I think this is something that I think it's important for practice owners that have been around at least for five years to do it to kind of get a pulse on where their practice is at and yeah. as you said really well like do I need to you know add a height you know we have offices that don't have hygiene departments at all period you know do I need to add hygiene? Is that going to jump my numbers? Do I need to change equipment? Is the location I'm in the lease not good? Can I move across the street? There's so much that could be put into play just from looking at those numbers. That yeah, I think- maybe, maybe you have the ability to add another operatory. So, and if you do, yeah. that extra operatory not, not only gives you more options in terms of currently, but also down the road, that can make you DSO eligible because you have more ops. But I, I think the one big key to kind of leave this off here is that, you know, we were finding five years ago, 80% of practices were overvaluating what they were worth. We find it the opposite now. I think, you know, yeah, you're going in to get your checkup, but most people will be pleasantly surprised. About 80% of uh, the practices we do when we ask them what they think they're worth and we do the actual workup, it comes out better than they thought because now we're seeing practices that are going for well, even, you know, larger practices are going well above one-time collections and their fair market value, which was never the case. It was almost like you weren't allowed to be worth more than one time a collection. Somebody made that rule up and that's changed now. Uh, and so there's a significant difference uh, in how things are done now versus a few years ago. And when it comes to hygiene, you know, we just did, or we did a practice uh, in the Northeast that was doing 50, five, zero percent in hygiene, 50. Uh, which I've never seen before, and it dramatically increased the value of the practice. So, yeah, I mean, people still somewhat even undervalue the the importance of a hygiene department that's well functioning. But 
if you have a hygiene department that's doing 20, 30% or more in collections is coming from hygiene, that absolutely helps your, your practice value. Oh, these are great. I always learn something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Like I know I learned something, Malika learned something. We hope the listeners take some some stuff away. You know, if they're interested, Tony, in maybe doing something like this, how would they reach you? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, obviously no obligation to do anything, but email is the easiest thing. You can go to my website and put in an inquiry that's connect the dense like connect the dots, but connect the dense.com. And, uh, or you can just email me at Tony DMD, T O N Y D M D dog, Mary dog at gmail.com. And I can, uh, set up a 15 minute, you know, consult, speak with you a little bit and then send you an outline of what it's not that scary to do an appraisal. It's not as, uh, difficult as it sounds. Uh, and it's all done basically, you know, through email and online for the most part. Uh, and isn't really that crazy of a process, especially if you have good PM software, you have an accountant that can help you out with some of the reports. And, you know, it's a pretty, pretty simple thing overall. Be, be happy to talk to anybody that's interested. Well, this is great. And we will put Tony's contact information in the show notes so that you'll have that as well. But thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today. We hope everybody enjoys their day. My pleasure. Thanks, Michelle and Malika. Have a good weekend. Too. Thanks for joining us on Accelerating Your Dental Practice. To connect with Malika and Michelle, visit ZarDentalConsulting.com and AffinityManagement.co and learn how they can help you accelerate your practice even further.